man, come on, you can just keep that music going for a while. I was just kind of getting into it, you know. I was getting ready to go air guitar and everything. But then I was like, mm, the lights will come up in the middle of it. That'll be awkward. I don't want that to happen. Hey, welcome everybody. Glad to have you here. Is everyone staying dry? Okay. All right, good. Is anybody woke, did anybody wake up in the middle of the night and start to think that maybe, just maybe, someone needs to build an ark? All right, just me. All right, okay, good. Hey, I want to say hello to everybody worship with, with, with us online as well as all of our campuses. At all of our campuses, if you love Jesus, make some noise right now. Come on. Yeah. Man, isn't it good? Isn't it good to like be with other people that love Jesus for a little bit? To kick off your week, you know, with people that love Jesus? I love it. It's just a little bit of time every week that can make a really big difference. That's my first point. If you missed it, the, the series is entitled Little. Just a little bit of time here on Sunday can make a really big... You see, you, yeah, are you getting that point? You guys might want to write that down in your notes, all right? Just a little bit of time on Sunday can make a really big difference. Um, talking about little, though, talking about little, you guys remember we kicked it off last week. If you were here, we talked about a little faith. And I brought up some analogies of how little things can make a big difference. And I don't know if you guys remember those or not. Uh, but one of them that I brought up was like the little biting gnats, the noceums, and then I went on to lice, and then I mentioned bed bugs. Anybody read? Anybody seen the news this past week about the bed bug infest infestation that happened on one of our United States attack submarines, the USS Connecticut? Anybody read about that? Can you imagine, like, for almost a year, bed bugs infesting a submarine and you're on it? How do you get away from that? You can't get away from that, right? They're talking about sailors like sleeping on metal decks just to like not sleep in their bunks, you know, right? And I'm not a like, I'm not a Navy person. If anybody was in the Navy, like praise God for you. Um, but what I understand about submarines is that, you know, even the bunk, it doesn't belong to you. That, you know, one person sleeps in the bunk for one shift and then, you know, that person goes to work and someone else sleeps in that bunk right, for the next shift, and so it's like those bed bugs are like, yeah, this is like a smorgasbord. This is like the best of the best. Um, so little things do make a big impact, by the way. You know what I love about the U.S. Navy, though? It didn't shut down the mission, right? You know why? Because the officers said, oh, there's no problem here, and so they just kept going. That's what they did. What, do you guys know what the deadliest animal is? The deadliest animal let me just give you a hint. What series are we in? Okay, so if you're thinking big, you might be wrong. Just This is a hint. The smallest, all right? Now, my wife corrected me. She goes, it's not an animal, right? The deadliest animal is an, is an insect called a mosquito. Anybody been bitten by a mosquito ever in your life? Of course you have. If you haven't, you haven't been outside. This is what they do, right? They, they hunt for you. They look for you. They feed on you. They reproduce from you. Gross. Disgusting. Let's just leave the picture on the screen for as long as we can as we talk about mosquitoes so that everyone gets a little itchy and squirmy, right? Mosquitoes, though, however, uh, have a lot of deadly diseases with them. Uh, yellow fever, um, malaria, the dengue, West Nile virus, Zika. Uh, they've got, they have a lot. I mean, they, they affect 
like over 700 million people every single year catch some kind of disease that could kill them. And did you realize that over a million people on planet Earth every single year die from mosquitoes? That's a lot of people, by the way. You hear a lot about the coronavirus and its impact, you know, and it is, it's, it's deadly as well to some. I know that the percentage is small, but nevertheless it is. And if, that, if that's, uh, you know, if you've lost somebody in your family, you know the impact of that. Uh, but you don't hear us talking about, you know, mosquitoes every single year, but it is the greatest. One little insect is the deadliest animal, if you can call an insect an animal, on planet Earth. Little things make a big difference. But there's, a, there's little things Little things that we can do to fight back against those mosquitoes. Like if you're like me, I grew up in St. Louis. Anybody grew up in a neighborhood where like the truck came through that was just like spewing out insecticide throughout the neighborhood while we went and we played and we ran through the cloud of it as a kid? Anybody with me? Maybe that's the way we, why we are the way we are, people. All right? I have no idea. I have no idea. But you know, we're like throwing that out there to kill off the mosquitoes because they carry diseases. We can, we can do that, right? And we could do it probably in a better way. And I think we still do it, actually, in some neighborhoods. Um, we, you can use insect repellent. 100% DEET, right? Let me just say this. You can put on 1,000% DEET in Alaska, and those mosquitoes will still bite you, right? Because the, mosquito, the mosquitoes hatch in Alaska in two hatchings. The first hatch is the big ones, don't worry about those. It's the second hatch. It's the little ones. And I, I have put deet all over my body and been out fishing, and they'll just like swarm right around you, just like this. Uh, it's disgusting. It'll make you want to stop fishing. You just don't want to keep doing it. So you put on in, you can, you can take malaria pills, right? I've been in parts of the world where I've had to take ma- malaria pills. You could start a spider farm, but who wants to do that? I don't want to do that, okay, because they eat a lot of mosquitoes, right? I just get like, ugh, I was even mentioning that. You could get a bug zapper. Has anybody ever owned a bug zapper before? Aren't those the funnest things? That'll make you want to sit outside in the summertime. Drink your cup of coffee, get some tea, get a soda or whatever, and then and every once in a while you get the big one, and and the house lights go, and you're like, gotcha, gotcha. Right? And you're like, man, I love that, the bug zapper. Right? So little acts, little acts of precaution can make a big difference, can't they? Right? I mean, if it is a deadly insect that has the ability to infect you with a virus, little things that we do can make a big difference. Just like little acts of obedience, little acts of kindness, and little acts of sacrifice can make a big difference when they are surrendered, right, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Little acts can make a big difference. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Those little things that we can do. Let's talk about little obedience. Um, any parents in the house out in Ogallala? Any parents? Come on, let me hear you. All right, good. Any parents here in Carney? Let me hear you. Come on. All right, you still, okay. Any parents with little kids? Yeah, you don't hear them because they're like almost asleep right now. There, you guys remember that, right? All right, parents, parents of adult children, you know. Let me hear from parents of adult children. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, as parents, though, right, the little acts of obedience from your children, 
Don't they bring you incredible joy? I mean, just think about it. When, when your kids just on their own, you didn't tell them to do it, but on their own, they do the right thing for the right reason, doesn't that just make you go like, what? I mean, first you question it. They're like, well, what's up? What do you want? But then when you get beyond that, right, and then you get to the like, wow, it brings a lot of joy. When our kids obey, it brings joy to a parent's heart. Now, parents, let me just give you like some free parenting advice. This is what Kim and I did with our kids. One thing that every kid wants, and as they become like, you know, middle school and especially in high school, one thing every kid wants, it doesn't matter what country they grow up in, as they start to get into those preteen and teen years, okay, they all want one thing, and it's called freedom. Say freedom with me. And you remember it. You wanted it. You know the kind of freedom you wanted? You wanted the freedom to make your own choice. You wanted the freedom to, to like, go where you wanted to go. You wanted the freedom to, like, take the car where you wanted to take the car. You understand what I'm saying? Like, if you didn't want freedom, you're not human. Check your pulse right now. You may be an android. Okay? So freedom is what we want. Freedom is what your kids want. I, I suggest you lead your kids with this attitude. I know you want freedom because I wanted it. Here's how you're going to earn freedom with me. Right? You're going to earn freedom from trust. When I trust you that you can do the right thing even when I'm not there, you're going to gain a lot of freedom, which means that you're going to get to call the shots. All right? Then your kid's going to instantaneously, because they're smart, they're going to go, well, how do I, oh, oh man, what do I have to do to earn trust? And you're like, obey. That when you obey with the right motive and you do the small things, the little acts of obedience are going to earn trust. And trust is going to allow me to release freedom to you. So do you want the freedom? Yeah. Well, then you got to do the little acts of obedience. And I promise you, parents, that if you will reward the little acts of obedience, the freedom will be something that you can both enjoy. You can, you can actually rest in the living room, not wondering what in the world they're doing out there. They're going to be out there making wise decisions if you reward the little acts of obedience first but you have to be watching for them you have to be looking for them you have to be noticing them you have to be calling them out and in the same way God sees our little acts of obedience as well God notices them your little acts of obedience do not go unnoticed by God oh they, they may feel like they are you may feel like well I don't feel like I'm getting any kind of response back you know, from God. I just want you to know today, your little acts of obedience do not go unnoticed by God. Consider, consider the, the widow who was giving one day. And by the way, Jesus was watching people give. He's watching people give. So all of our campus pastors are going to be standing at the white buckets by the doors today. When you leave, do you think they're there just to like, thank you for coming today? But they're actually watching. Why? Because we're going to model after what Jesus did. Here's what Jesus did in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down, watch this, near the collection box. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this scripture, but I just try to visualize this, and it cracks me up. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Yeah. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. 
Jesus called his disciples to him. He goes, guys, 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 guys. Because they're probably like, what are you sitting over there by the, like, like the collection box, Jesus? We're going to hang out over here. That's weird, right? So he's like, hey, guys, guys, come here. Come here. Get over here. I, I tell you the truth. The poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, right? But she, poor as she is, she's given everything she had to live on. You know what stands out here? That your little acts of obedience are noticed by God. God saw. He saw the, the act of the, the, two, the two small little coins, right? That barely, they barely make up. They barely make up a, like a small fragment of something less than a dollar to you. Like, it's nothing. It's not going to keep the lights on, right? It, it's hardly going to buy, it's not even going to buy a box of tissue, Right? You're going to have to get a lot of them put together to even buy a roll of toilet paper. Right? I mean, it's, it's nothing, but Jesus goes, but it's everything. It was a little act of obedience that God noticed. And here's what's going on. Our little acts of obedience are doing something that you might not value right now, but you need to. Little acts of obedience store up treasure, maybe not on this earth, but they store up treasure. Where do you think they store up treasure? Heaven. You might go, well, that doesn't sound very important. But God's, God looks at it and he goes, but that's very important. Little acts of obedience store up treasure in heaven. Little acts of obedience, God says this, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing little acts of obedience because in the right time it will be, there will be a harvest. There will be a reward. Little acts of obedience go a long way. And guys, I just want you to know today that your obedience may not be celebrated on this earth, but one day, little acts of obedience will be celebrated as we stand before Jesus. That's the reward we're looking for. Right? When your teenager does a little act of obedience so that they can get something from you, just to gain something, that's the wrong motive. That doesn't make you want to give them freedom. That makes you feel like you're being used. God's going, don't be doing little acts of obedience and then turn around as if I'm supposed to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out something upon you. Like, you just do the little acts of obedience because you love me. Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll do little acts of obedience. That means you'll want to. Like, if you love me, it's out of love. It's out of respect. It's out of reverence. It's out of what the Old Testament would talk about as a, as a holy fear of the Lord. That little acts of obedience come, that guys add up. They may not be celebrated on this earth, but one day they'll be celebrated as we stand before God. And I'm going to let you know today, let me just be open and honest with you, that obeying God's word is going to continue to become less and less popular in this world. And if you haven't figured that out, then you need to listen to the current culture and what's going on around us. Obeying God Obeying God's word and the little acts of obedience, less and less popular in the world in which we live in, even in South Central and Western Nebraska. Those little acts of obedience are going to get more ridiculed. Those little acts of obedience, you're going to find they're going to, be more, they're going to get persecuted more. Those little acts of obedience are going to have a hefty price. But let me just say this to you, when you obey in the little things, it's going to make it ten times easier to obey when the pressure gets turned on. Guys, we got to be faithful in the little things. Because there are days when we get tested in the big things. Be faithful in the little. Why? Because God notices 
He sees every little act of obedience, and it matters to him. And it's building up the treasure of relationship with Christ here on this earth and the reward in heaven. But what about little kindness? Doesn't little acts of kindness still make a big difference in this world? You think that does? I believe that it does. I, I still believe that little acts, random acts of kindness make a massive difference in this world. Have you ever held the door for anyone in the past week? I think that makes a big difference. I, I think people are, everyone be, has become individual. Like individualism is ruling our culture right now. And the fabric, the fabric of the community is being ripped apart as everyone is just thinking about themselves, just taking care of their own needs, all right? And they're isolating themselves away from dealing with the community and being better for one another, blessing one another. Little acts still make a big difference. I'm, I'm, I, I say thank you to every single person that holds the door for me, right? You know what I'm saying? Call them sir, right? Call them ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Wow, it's awesome. Thank you, sir. Right? Elevate them. That, that's awesome. You know what I like to do? Whenever you're walking up to like a, like a large store that has those automatic doors, right? I love to hold doors like that for people. Because when you're walking up next to someone, you just take an extra step in front of them. You go, hey, I got the door for you. You just stand in the gap, right? They walk right through. They laugh. They think it's funny. But, I mean, in all seriousness, little acts of kindness. You see what I'm saying? How about taking a meal to a friend that's sick or that's in need? You know that that little act makes a big difference. When I was recently sick, someone brought a meal to us. Totally thankful for that. Totally thankful. You may not recognize, you may not realize it, but I'm still thinking about that meal, even right now. Little acts of kindness go a long ways. Randomly doing things like paying for the person behind you in a drive-thru line. That's awesome. Isn't that fun when you get there and someone goes up... The person in front of you, they already got it. And they're gone. Like, I love that feeling. I love it. When I look at my rearview mirror and I feel like the Holy Spirit goes, pay for that, and I pay for theirs, and then I just drive away, and there's no way, there's no way they can thank me because they have no idea who I am. And it's just random, right? But can I confess something to you? I look in my rearview mirror first because I want to know that it's not a sports team behind me. I mean, in all fairness, can I just say that, all right? Because I'm assuming you do the same thing, right? You're like, oh, it's just a single, oh, okay, I got that. No, I'm just joking. Right? But random little things of kindness, they go a long ways. And like even that simple act of pain, pain for a person's meal. A similar thing uh, happened with Jesus and his disciples in John chapter 6. There was a large crowd. That, this is the passage of the 5,000 that are coming, they want to hear Jesus, they want to be around Jesus. Why? Because they want something from him. They've heard about the stories of him healing people. They've heard about the miracles, and so they're following Jesus. I mean, he has gotten in a boat, they're walking around the lake because they want something from Jesus. And there's thousands and thousands of people that are coming. And like being in the drive through line, Jesus says these words in John chapter 6. Jesus, he, he, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. So here's what he does. Turning to Philip, he asks, where can we buy bread to feed these people? And, you know, I left out the next little part of that verse, but it basically drives home the point that Jesus was going, it was a test. It was a test of Philip. So Philip replied, well, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Right? Like, Jesus, do you see it's the sports team behind us in the van? You want to pay for them? 
You know how many Big Macs they probably purchased? We were just here to get a $2 cheeseburger. Isn't it sad that it's not still a dollar cheeseburger? Come on, man. What in the world? All right. So that's what Philip is going like. I mean, we don't have the money for this. Like, we'd have to work a whole month. Like, like I, we'd have to work months, he says, by the way. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, look, I, I, I don't know if you've ever read this scripture from the perspective I want to lay it out to you. But we're talking about little kindness. The disciples have already confessed the fact we don't have the money to do this. Right? They haven't even said if we had the money that we would do it, by the way. So they haven't even taken that step. They're just still in step one. We don't have anything. There's nothing we can do. Then one of them says, but there's a little boy who has five little loaves and two little fish. But what good will that do? But we, if you know the rest of the story, Jesus takes those five little loaves and two fish, and he prays over them, and he starts to break them, and they end up feeding the 5,000 plus, because they were just counting men, women and children, and there was enough left over that Jesus sent his disciples out to collect all the rest. And there were baskets full left over. So we know that a miracle took place, but here's the question. How did the disciples get the lunch out of the hands of the little boy? Think about it with me. Little boy, not connected to them. He's got his own little lunch. When have you ever, ever in your life seen a little boy give up his only lunch? How many of you have ever seen a little boy eat two or three lunches? Come on. You don't see little boys give up their lunches. I want to focus in on the little boy for a second. I don't want to focus in on the miracle that Jesus did. And I don't want to focus in on the fact that the disciples didn't have a clue what was going on. I want to focus in on how did they get that lunch out of that little boy's hands. But when the little boy gave up his lunch, that was the true act of kindness. He didn't know what was going to happen with it. Did did the disciples have to chase him down, wrestle it out of his hands? It doesn't tell us. I don't think they had to, right? Did they have to bribe him for it? Did they have to pay him for it? I don't think they had to. I I think they went to him and they said, hey, do you know this guy over here? His name's Jesus. I've seen Jesus do some incredible things. And Jesus is wanting to feed, you see all these thousands of people? He's wanting to feed them. I think he's going to do something miraculous with what you got. Well, am I going to, I wonder if the little boy said, am I going to get fed too? Right? Because isn't that what he would say? Yeah, of course. That's what he would say. And I think that one of the disciples, you know, said to him, he goes, I, I, can't, I can't guarantee anything to you. But I can tell you this. This Jesus I've been following, he, he does miraculous things. He loves people. He doesn't take advantage of people. Like if you do this little act of kindness, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you will reap a big reward. And that little kid gave up his five pieces of bread and two fish. How many pieces of bread do you think he ate? How many fish do you think he ate? I think he ate more than the five. I think he ate more than the two. I think he had his fill. I think he went home, little pot belly boy. Right? I think he went home with more than he ever thought. Why? Because the little 
act of kindness. I don't think they had to wrestle it out of his hands, bribe it out of his hands, pay it out of his hands. I think that they talked to him about Jesus and he gave it up as a little act of kindness. And the little boy's act of kindness did what? Changed the lives of thousands. What can a little act of kindness do? A little act of kindness can go a long ways. Never underestimate a little act of kindness from you. It could change the life of one. It could change the life of a household. It could change the life of a church. It could change the life of a community. Never underestimate the little acts of kindness and never underestimate the power of sharing what you have. Little acts of kindness can make a big difference. How about the last one, a little sacrifice? little sacrifice still moves my heart. I think it still moves your heart. If you've ever seen someone do a little act of sacrifice, it may have brought a tear to your eye. Let me tell you a moment that may have changed your life that you didn't even maybe even recognize until later on in life. And that was when a parent skipped a business meeting and they showed up to your dance recital. Or they showed up to your sporting event. Or they showed up to your band concert. And all you had was a two-measure part of a little piccolo that played a little part Right, that you know barely could be heard and it was off key, but yet you still played it with all your heart and your dad or your mom was out there and they were like, that's my son, that's my daughter. Right, they skipped the meeting and they were at your event. Now as a kid, as a kid, I know this, you may not even remember that they were there as an adult now, right? But let me tell you the moment that you do remember, the part that you had, you had the biggest part in the play They promised they would be there and they never showed up. You'll remember that for the rest of your life. A little act of sacrifice can make a big difference and go a long ways. How about when someone puts, you know, your preferences and your desires ahead of of theirs? And they go, "I, I know that this is what you would want. And you know it's not what they would want. But they choose to put your preferences, your desires ahead of theirs. That makes a big difference. Do you know that your little acts of sacrifice move my heart as well? That when you give up time and you give up family and you serve on a ministry team or you go on a global outreach trip and you give up time and you maybe even give up finances and you give up, you know, time away from your family. I'm going to tell you right now that moves this pastor's heart. To watch you serve and to watch you sacrifice a little bit of that time to be a part of the team, it moves my heart. And I'm going to tell you today, your little acts of sacrifice, they get God's attention and they move his heart as well. I want you to consider the little tax collector, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he lived in Jericho. He's the chief tax collector, watch this, not just of the city, but of the region. He, and the Bible says this, that he hadn't just become rich. The Bible actually says it this way, that he had become very, someone say very, He had become very rich. Now, I don't know the difference between rich and very rich, right? But how many guys would like to know the difference? Okay, I thought you might like to know the difference. But there is a difference between rich and very rich, and he became very rich. How do you think he became very rich? Off of the tax collecting, which meant that he became very rich off of what? Your money that he took from you that he didn't pass on. So you think that he's, you know, well-liked in the community? Do you think that teenagers go, hey, that's that really nice Zacchaeus guy? No, they probably repeat what their parents are saying behind, you know, closed doors. 
and maybe out in the public. His house is the one that's most likely to get tagged with spray paint. His, his chariot is the one most likely to get egged down the road. Right? You see what I'm saying? Like he's probably not well liked. And then Jesus shows up. And this crowd gathers around Jesus. And Zacchaeus is intrigued because he's like, hey, I'm the very rich one around here. Who else is getting attention? Right? And so Jesus is getting attention. And this is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 19. That he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was, what? Too short to see over the crowd. Now, just so that I get this out of the way right now. In this little series, I'm not talking about stature-wise little people. It just happens to be that in this story, he is little, okay? It's bonus material, all right? But he was too short to see over the crowd. So what does he do? So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. The very first act of sacrifice was he has the humble, his very rich little self, to be a commoner that climbs a tree, right, so that he can see this guy, Jesus, that he's heard about, that he's intrigued with, that he doesn't know everything about, but he knows this, that guy has influence. I want to hang out with him because I hang out with people that have influence. There's probably something selfish in it for him. It's not just this obedient sacrifice. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. Who's getting all the attention? I want to be with that guy. I want to be seen with that guy. If that guy's popular, maybe he can even help my own image. I want to be with him. So he, he had a little act of sacrifice as he climbs the tree. What do you think people around him were saying about him who climbed the, little, who climbed the tree because of his short little stature? What do you think people were saying about him? Just, just for some reason, this odd reason, just think about it as if it was today. Right? Would people mock him? Yeah. Would people make fun of him? Yeah. Would people ridicule him? Yes, they would. You better believe it. That's a little act of sacrifice right off the bat. And here's, notice this. That little act of sacrifice that doesn't seem like anything to you and me, does it? I mean, how, does, it even, does it make a difference in the kingdom of God? It doesn't even seem like it makes a difference in the kingdom of God. But here's this man that makes this little act of sacrifice, and watch this. That little act of sacrifice got the attention of Jesus. Why? We don't know each other's hearts all the time, but he does. Jesus does. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, and he's like, I see that little act of sacrifice. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to join you. The people of the town ridiculed Jesus. The people of the town were furious that Jesus would be seen with and go to the house and eat with a notorious sinner and thief like Zacchaeus. But watch this. Something that Jesus said caused Zacchaeus' heart to start to change. And it caused Zacchaeus you're right, to come to this convicted state where I need to make a little sacrifice. And Zacchaeus repented with this sacrifice. Look at what Luke 19 says. In verse 8, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said this, right? I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded with what? Read it with me. Salvation has come to this home today. You might go, well, it's, it's half of his wealth. I know. But remember, there's a difference between rich and very rich. And little sacrifice is relative. It's relative. Very rich, and he gave half. Guess what he still is? Rich. He's still rich. 
right? He still has everything that he needs in an abundance. He's still going to live in the same house. He's still going to live the same lifestyle, but he gave half of it. It's a little sacrifice that grew to watch a surrendered heart. And a surrendered heart moved him to obedience and kindness. And that little act of sacrifice led to salvation for his soul. A man that was going to spend eternity away from God now gets the opportunity to spend eternity with God. That he changed his life. One little act of sacrifice, climb a tree, leads to ultimate spiritual transformation. And watch this. That little act of sacrifice displayed by Zacchaeus blessed the entire region. Right? Because his motive has changed. His integrity has changed. His character has changed. No more people are being cheated on their taxes anymore. The needs of the poor are being met now. People have more money to invest into the economy, to buy things. So more people are being blessed that way. People have more money to save for the future. People are being blessed. One little act of sacrifice caused a ripple effect of life change. And the same thing can happen in you. And the same thing can happen through you. That when you meet with Jesus, he always, he always leads you towards obedience. He will always lead you to acts of kindness. He will always lead you to small acts of sacrifice. Whenever you meet with him, that's where he's going to lead you. And those little acts of obedience and kindness and sacrifice, they can make, with God's help, a big difference not just in your life but it might change the trajectory of your family it could change the trajectory of your life group it could change the trajectory of your workplace right but i guarantee you this it's going to change the spiritual trajectory inside of your heart so what do we need to do today well we need to be just like zacchaeus we gotta we gotta make a little sacrifice but we gotta climb the tree today yeah do you want to see jesus today do you want to meet with him today? Let's climb the tree. Let's humble ourselves. Let's lay down our pride today. Let's get hungry enough to see him. Let's get desperate enough to meet with him. Let's just, let's just come to him and go, look, Jesus, I'm climbing the tree today in worship. I'm climbing the tree today in prayer. Like, I've already started climbing the tree because you made it from your house to here on a rainy day. I'm climbing the tree, Jesus, to meet with you. At all of our campuses, let's climb the tree to meet with Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus didn't try to hide from you. Just because Jesus was in a large crowd and Zacchaeus couldn't see over the crowd to find Jesus, when Jesus saw him in a tree, which I bet you he isn't just the only one in a tree, by the way, because if he couldn't see, there were other kids who couldn't see Jesus notices him. Jesus is not trying to hide from you today, but he is waiting for you to get hungry enough to climb the tree to meet with him. So in our worship today, let's climb the tree. Now we don't have to do this in the tree. Hey, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. That's not what Zacchaeus did. He just did it because he was intrigued. He just did it because he wanted to see him. Guys, we don't have to climb the tree and go, here I am, here I am. Like, you got to get the attention of God. No, God's just looking for the hungry inside of our heart. I've come to worship you. I've come to seek you. He isn't hiding from you. He wants, he wants, to, he wants you to encounter his, his power. He wants you to encounter his presence today. So today in worship, let's seek him with a hungry heart and let's climb the tree. Stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that reminds us today that it's the little acts that can make such a big difference. It's the little acts of kindness, obedience, and sacrifice 
Now, Lord, done with the right motive, done with the right heart, done with the attitude of just seeking you to know you. Lord, they go such a long ways. And when we meet with you, that's what you're reminding us of over and over and over again. It's not the big things that we do for you. We're waiting around like, oh, God, there's something bigger I can do for you. And you're waiting around going, just do the little thing. Just do the little thing. Because a bunch of little things add up to big things. It's just the little act of obedience. It's the little act of kindness and sacrifice that, God, you use in a profound way. So would you show up in this place today? I know you're here already, but would you would manifest your presence here? And would you show your people who are hungry for you, desperate for you, would you show them your power and your presence? In Jesus' name, amen.